Yo, what's going on? This is your host, Juan Gray, and welcome to the Words to Success show. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with my man, Akil Chandra. Akil is a mobile app entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of Studio Mosaic, a fully independent studio that has created many apps that have been downloaded over 1 million times on the Apple App Store. Akil is also an engineer and has an MBA with over 10 years of experience in technology and marketing, which he uses to regularly consult with other app entrepreneurs, start startups, and a lot of large companies. We talk about what it means to be a great CEO. We dive deep in the actual app creation process, and he doesn't hold back. So there's a lot of gems in this conversation. I hope you take some notes and enjoy. Vamos. Life is not measured by the number of breaths you take. It's about the moments that take your breath away. I learned that you know more than the skill set is actually the attitude and the company culture that one is building and how aligned these people are to that culture. That is what will really determine how long they will be with you, how motivated they are and how well they will perform because skills can always be taught. Uh, but it's the attitude and the outlook and the company culture that should always remain sacrosanct because that is what is going to lay the foundation for your growth. Akhil Chandra, welcome to the most badass show on the planet, my man. How do you do? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me here, Juan. I'm really pumped to be talking to you. Absolutely, bro. Hey, I'm super happy to have you on board, my man. And especially that you are, you know, you're such a now becoming a pioneer in the application world, right? Something that we haven't covered yet on the Words to Success show, but have been getting so much demand. Hey, can we get someone who's really good at apps and looking to start a mobile application? Um, in software. So tell everyone here that doesn't know you a little background about uh, about yourself and how you got to doing what you're doing right now. Sure. So let me start with what I'm doing right now and maybe I can then back it up with the with the pre-story. So, so right now I'm in the mobile app business, which has really, really caught on a lot in the past few years. So I essentially run a product company where we made a couple of apps in the business and productivity cap- category. Uh, which have cumulatively clocked over a million downloads uh, on the Apple Store worldwide. I also run uh, a company called Studio Mosaic, uh, which is a growth-oriented marketing agency uh, focused only on mobile app businesses. And that's been consistently ranked uh, as one of the top app marketing agencies in the world. So we have a team of about 20 people that that runs these two outfits. Uh, In terms of my story, so I'm an engineer and an MBA. I've been in uh, India. I'm from New Delhi, which is the capital of India. And after completing my studies, I worked for close to about eight or 10 years in the mobile space. So uh, back in the day when there were no apps, uh, mobile was the buzzword. So mobile advertising is what it was all about. So I kind of was part of the journey, especially in India, uh, where we graduated from mobile to mobile apps uh, and how the entire ecosystem evolved uh, through the journey. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be lucky to kind of ride the wave and enter the industry right at the beginning, especially in India, but also globally, I would say, you know, it was pretty early steps that we made. So that kind of helped. Uh, I mean, we made a lot of mistakes, which if I were to make today, it'll take me a lot more to get where I am right now. And that's how we got involved, you know, right place at the right time and got into mobile apps and kind of build it from there. Amazing, man. Very cool. Let's, we, we've been talking, you know, before, I mean, I, I since I, I've known you a little bit about that it's the entrepreneurship journey itself is not always, you know, rose pavement, not always <laughs> the rose that everyone talks about. So can you go back in time to when maybe you were starting this company or another company before that? 
whatever it is. And bring me back to those hard moments. And how did you react to, to uh, hitting your lows, man? So let me start with this journey. I mean, it's been a, a lot of, you know, ups and downs all through. So, so when I started out with the idea of making apps, I was all still working somewhere. So this is something I was doing in the evenings and on the weekends. Back in the day, I mean, uh, you know, we used to get apps developed from India. India was a big, even today, I think it's a bit big outsourcing destination. And my biggest, you know, understanding, uh, you know, for, for the entrepreneurship journey at that time happened where the entire product, which was supposed to be shipped out in three months, uh, eventually landed up taking about nine or 10 months uh, to roll out, right? Uh, and, you know, patience is basically and perseverance is, I think, what gets people, you know, through those, those hard times. And even when I actually took the plunge and I got into entrepreneurship full time and got into the mobile app business, uh, what had happened was that I had just experienced with one app, right? And when I got into it full time, I thought, okay, I don't need to now do one app at a time. Why not make three apps all together? Uh, and that's what I started doing with another company in India. And that's when things started going down south. So, so my plan initially was to just to make my own apps uh, and monetize them through consumers. And within six months, I realized that that's not happening. That's not as easy uh, as I'd imagined it to be. And my early success was great, but it could no way sort of represent the entire, you know, setting up entire business, which kind of helped me because uh, what I think at that time was important was to be flexible. Uh, and a word that we use a lot in business called pivot. So that's what I did because even though my app business you know, was starting to get sluggish, we did a pivot. And because I had the learning and the understanding of how to create and launch an app, and set up a business of it. Uh, that's what basically led me to start a marketing agency where initially I was essentially a freelancer consulting people. The consulting gigs led on to execution. And then that led on to, you know, me from being a solopreneur to setting up an entire team. So even though I started out thinking I'm only going to make apps, I ended up on the marketing agency side of things. Mm. And once they stabilized is when I got the opportunity to come back to the product side of things. So today, you know, things seem hunky-dory, uh, but back in the day, there was a lot of stress, especially because I had just gotten married, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we were about to have a baby. So obviously yeah. expenses were rising up and you needed some money to get you through. And there was the money coming in and, you know, and those were desperate measures at the time, which is what led me to start consulting and then setting up the agency. Right. And how important was it that like, you were in a situation where you were about to get, you were getting married having a baby that is kind of like a sense of urgency right they forced you you had no option you had to you had to deliver so how important yeah. was that and for anyone who has you know is going through a situation where their circumstance are, are are tough they have that how do they take that difficult moment and make it a sense of urgency like you did what would be like your piece of advice for that the one thing that I uh, would you know, obviously advise to a lot of people is to have some sort of a backup plan, have some sort of a safety net. So that kind of, so in my case, not only was I about to get married and then a couple of years later, I was about to have a child. I'd also invested a lot of my money in the app business, which was completely gone belly up. Right. So, so the safety net that I had was that my wife was still working. Mm -hmm. So the bread and butter was still going. So that was a bit of a safety net. And the other thing, like I said, is, you know, be flexible. Don't be very stringent in terms of what you set out to do initially. Because things, the journey that your life will take is not often planned by you right from the beginning, right? So you need to be open in terms of what you could do. And what helped me was being flexible and start consulting as opposed to saying, no, I've decided to make apps. That's all I'm going to do, right? So that mm -hmm. flexibility helped me. And I think you've got to really let your ego down 
especially in the early days, you know, got to be able to roll up your sleeves and do the dirty jobs and put in the hard yards to be able to sort of get to a position where eventually you can build it from there, you know. So for hard times, I would say two things, you know, when uh, times get tough, the tough get going. So roll up your sleeves. Don't don't be shy to, you know, put in the long working hours and to always have some sort of a safety net or some plan B that you can rely on if things go completely, you know, south. Mm-hmm. Right. And after that, you started building your own team, right. uh, building your company. So what yes. was the your biggest learning point? Because <laughs> growing a team, building a team is not always easy, right? I mean, yeah, so oh, no. So what has been the biggest thing that you've learned and basically growing that, that team for your company? So I think hiring has been very interesting for us and also one of the biggest challenges that we had. So so when I started out, the concept of co-working spaces was really coming up in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my first six months, I was working out of a co-working space. So when I set out to you know hire my first employee, it was at the time when I was still working at a co-working space. And in India, as you know, we, we come from kind of more traditional backgrounds where we see in a joint family. So the parents also have a huge role to play in terms of what life decisions uh, their child makes. So when we called people over for interviews, they were really enamored by the co-working space and how cool that was. And it's an app company and all of that. Mm-hmm. But they, so, they used to, so they used to have an excellent interview and they were really pumped about joining me. But once they used to go back home and they spoke to their parents, they were like, what sort of a company is this? They don't even have their own office space. And what is this app and what is this mobile, right? So that was a huge challenge to sort of, you know, get people uh, to be able to join you when you have nothing uh, to really offer them. The other learning that I had was that, you know, because we were kind of playing safe, I was hiring one person at a time, which meant that there were a lot of months where we just had one employee or two employees, right? And mm-hmm. after a point of time, it can get demotivating for a person to work all alone in an office, especially if I'm out for meetings, etc. So in the office space, there's just one person in a in an office space they can house about twenty people, right? So to counter that, what we did was we started hiring in bunches. So we started hiring like five people together, so that instantly there would be a team that would be formed, and that team culture would build. So and and then also in terms of you know initially the focus was more in terms of skill set, and then with experience I learned that you know more than the skill set, it's actually the attitude and the company culture that one is building and how aligned these new people are to that culture, that is what will really determine how long they will be with you, how motivated they are and how well they will perform because skills can always be taught. Mm -hmm. uh, But it's the attitude and the outlook and the company culture that should always remain sacrosanct because that is what is going to lay the foundation for your growth. You know, Mm -hmm. so those, I guess, were some of the learnings and some of the interesting stories that we had. I think that's one of the... Most interesting things when you're hiring people and a lot of people, they, they think, okay, I'm going to get the best person in this and this and this. And you're you're thinking about skill sets most of the time until you're an experienced entrepreneur that you realize that it's so much more than that. Because like you said, skills can be taught, especially if they have the right attitude. If you have the right attitude and it's someone who wants to learn, who really also has the right culture and really cares about the business and wants the business to succeed in the long term, then you can teach the skills necessary. But if it's the other way around, and maybe they're 10-10 on every skill needed, but their attitude is poor, and their, you know, their, their uh, compatibility to the team is poor, then it just won't work, no, no matter what, right? So what would be the, the most important 
thing that you look for in attitude in an individual to join your team? So, you know, one of the biggest elements of our culture that we try to build is a sense of ownership. So not to think of work as a serious series of tasks that need to be completed, but look yeah. at it as an ownership. So let's say, so in our case, for instance, uh, you know, our clients are typically at businesses and we're providing growth and marketing services. So when a marketing person or a team is assigned a particular project, it's not simply about running ads or doing, you know, a specific task. It's about owning the entire business and making sure that it's growing and we're delivering value, you know. Uh, so, the, the, you know, the one thing that we look for in a person is to have that sense of proactiveness, that sense of, you know, taking ownership of things and, and not just be task based and task oriented that way I did my job, but things didn't work. What do I do? That's a big no, no. You know, Absolutely. you have to have go-getters who take ownership and are completely responsible. The credit is theirs. The criticism is also theirs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the owner or, you know, kind of founders of the business to be able to give that ownership to them. But that also comes through them understanding the vision properly and being yeah. not motivated, but truly inspired in the long term uh, to be working with this company. And you're given the, the right to have ownership because there's Absolutely. some people, like you said, you don't want uh, employees or, or people on your team to be like, hey, okay, I did this task and I'm done. Because that attitude is just something that is just, you're never going to get really far with that kind of team. You know what I mean? So that's why I don't think of people that work with me as employees. I think as everyone as a team that we're going in one direction, I'll, I'll roll up my sleeves if I have to. I'll go under them and say, hey, look, look we're all going up. You know? But I need you as well to, to be, the, be the leader. Everyone's the leader at the end of the day. And that's where companies become from good to really, to really become great. Yeah. Exactly. And as, as my job, you know, as the CEO, I feel it's my job to create more leaders within the organization that can take us forward rather than me being the only leader and other being followers. And, you know, mm-hmm. what happens in the short term is that a lot of mistakes will be made, which is when it's even more important for the organization leader to be patient, you know, and persevere. Yeah. And, and not kind of hit them on the knuckles for the small errors. You've got to be patient and only then will that ownership that feeling of ownership evolve and grow, you know, within your team. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your, your biggest quality as a CEO? I, I, like I said, I think building teams, empowering them because empowering I'm nothing without the team. I mean, I can only, I can only be a solopreneur alone, right? I can only manage so many projects, but if we're looking to, you know, grow in terms of scale, I need to have a team that's entitled and empowered enough mm-hmm. to take decisions without me having to be involved in day-to-day affairs, you know? So my biggest role is to create leaders and to empower them to manage their part of the business like sales or marketing or design or whatever and, and nail it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say is, you know, because every, 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 in every industry, you know, the leader has a little bit of a different, of a different, uh, not role. It's always the same thing is to lead and to empower leaders and to keep the vision moving forward, everything like that, the big picture, right? But what would you say are your practical daily actions that you are taking to make sure that you are progressing as a company and that you are, you're building your business consistently always moving forward? What are the, the main things that you're doing like on a daily basis with your team and oh, with yourself? Business. So business development, of course, sales, I mean, getting more business, right? That's one of my key focus areas and, and not just hitting numbers, but also hitting quality. That is one thing that I try to include in my, one of my sales goals, right? It's not always just about quantity and hitting the numbers. It's about getting in the right kind of clients as well in terms of good quality apps, because they're going to sustain for a longer period of time 
as opposed to fly by night operators and apps right so business development is one key focus area the other thing is that the nature of my business is such that i'm in the technology space and technology changes every single day so it is my job to evolve and make sure i'm following what's happening around the world and keeping up pace you know with the changing times uh, uh you know and and so so a lot of times a lot of the team they involved in the day to day delivery so there's nobody really who's looking at the larger picture in terms of what is the new innovation happening what are the new tools available what are the algorithm changes that apple or google have made you know what are the new stuff happening in the app store ecosystem so i also take the onus of you know try as much as possible to try and read up a lot as much as possible in terms of what's happening around me mm-hmm. and share those learnings with the team so that you know even if they're busy you know doing their day to day tasks at least you know i'm giving them some new learnings because even for them growing as professionals and you know growing in their career just doing a job is not enough they also need to evolve in terms of their skill set their knowledge set their ability to be able to think independently uh, so i would say those two are big areas and i'm extremely fortunate that my wife actually is my co-founder so we work mm-hmm. together so she's kind of looking at the operations and account management and day to day work and i'm looking at more the business development being the face of the company going out there you know building relationships and all of that definitely very cool very cool did what would you what would you say that for in your experience the most efficient way to communicate with your with your team you know you're talking about research you're doing on a daily basis to make sure that you're always on track right because something could change today that will affect your business tomorrow like literally today and if you are not focused you're not uh, on it you don't know what's going on 100% then your business can can completely go go south right so what what's the best way that you communicate with your team like do you have daily meetings in person do you do that over the phone like from a technical standpoint how do you go about it so uh, we use skype a lot so we've made a lot of mini groups and there's also a team group but also mini groups for different projects and and stuff like that so whenever i come across something interesting i put it up on skype so it's instantly available with everybody mm-hmm. at times i would also email it to the team uh but once every week or at least once every two weeks we all try and just catch up on a casual note where we just having pizzas or whatever which is discussing new stuff and new ideas and and you know new stuff happening just to not make it too serious keep it light but at the same time there is you know i'm updating them about what's happening what i'm thinking about the company you know what are my goals and visions for the next say short term 3 months 6 months what are my hiring plans what's something new happening in marketing so i try to tell them in a light casual manner without making it too serious or formal but if there's some important uh, article to be shared etc then i use skype or, or email absolutely very cool very cool man so i i'd like to go into we we're talking about value before right delivering value so uh, i'd like to deliver a lot of value to the listeners especially for for those who were asking about getting someone who's an expert in mobile applications so i'm really happy that i got to you I get to speak to you today my man what would be can you go a little bit through like a, a process right so someone has let's just start at a very basic level who starts with an idea he really believes in it and he starts getting people involved look i want to do this idea right for a mobile application what are the steps if we kind of fast forward from everything that you've learned how would you go about it and give an advice to an entrepreneur let's just say you were mentoring him how would you go about having that to having it on the app store and then selling it the first couple of minutes i'd like to actually focus on the idea because i think that's one of the most important things the other yeah. stuff is kind of similar once you zero in on the idea 
then just follow the process in terms of design development etc etc mm-hmm. but getting the idea that actually is very important and and one is to think about it in different ways so first off if we're specifically talking about mobile apps there are two kinds of app businesses right so one is the business of apps and the other is apps as a business let me explain mm-hmm. that a bit better right yeah. so business of apps means that i'm in the business of creating apps right it has usually uh, no uh, relation in the real world so stuff like games calculator app or you know something which exists on the phone as an app and that is the entire utility and the other where app is a business the best example would be e-commerce companies right where they're not in the business of making apps they're in the business of selling stuff right apps is only a distribution mechanism today it's apps yesterday it was websites tomorrow it might be something else right so a you need to be clear what is the idea about is it the business of apps or apps is a business right mm-hmm. uh, and if the idea is something else an app is just a distribution method you might or might not need it but if you're making an app purely because you want to do an app business then that's when you know you need to probably take it to the next step it's also better to go that way because then your dependency on real world stuff is lesser because for any other business you would need vendors and and you know like like a team or 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 something physical or or to create something or to manufacture something or even if you're trading between stuff you would need a lot of other players and elements whereas if you're making an app all you need is technology and an idea nothing else so the entry barrier is a lot lesser right so mm-hmm. i think the idea would need to be thrashed out in absolute detail and you should be crystal clear in terms of what your objective is also if you're in the business of app it's not about making the next million dollar app because if that's the idea it's very difficult to hit it out of the park right if the objective is to make a million dollars then it could be one app or five app or 10 apps so your objective should be clear on what is it that you're looking to achieve uh, and once all of that is clear you know sort of certain terms of where you're going it's very important to test the idea before you actually invest money in it right so first off do a quick competitive research you could even you know bounce your idea of a lot of it's good to actually bounce your ideas across people you don't know because otherwise you might get a biased view and people might take a softer uh, stance and you know might not be brutally honest with you which is very important for you especially at the beginning phase before you take that leap of faith so maybe even make a small prototype and share it with a set of beta users and see what kind of feedback you get etc and once you're certain about that that's when the entire app journey would begin so then it's once you have the idea you create your feature set which is basically wireframes uh, that depict how many screens there will be how many features functionalities etc once the wireframes are frozen then you start working on the ui which is the actual design which is filling in colors and the ui and the ux once the designing is done then you'll move over to the development uh, so typically you will either have a front end only or a front end and a back end depending on if you need a database or not Uh, and then the development cycle happens which takes a few months uh, depending on the complexity then you would move into testing where uh, you would actually test the app and see how that's working once the product is ready you'd want to set it up for analytics because unless you're measuring stuff you have no idea what's happening within the app so you need to know how many people are entering what are they doing how are they engaging with the app what are the important metrics for you what are the important funnels for you once that's done then uh, the next step is setting up your app store presence so making sure that your icon your screenshots your description uh, the reviews the promo text all of the elements uh, are sort of setting you up to present the best face on the app store because the app store is like your um, 
kind of your 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 place in the mall it's like your shop in the mall and people are walking by right so mm-hmm. if the if the window in front is not really attractive and doesn't lure you because people just have a few seconds right nobody spends yeah. minutes looking at your description you have to catch their attention a couple of seconds and if you can't do that you'll you'll miss out right so making sure your app store presence is completely optimized to not only enhance discovery but also conversion because discovery alone won't get you downloads people also need to hit the install button right mm-hmm. so that's so all of this part is right up to the point of launch and then once you launch then of course you have your external marketing in terms of acquisition campaigns online pr or uh, reaching out to apple to get the app featured which is one of the best ways to get a lot of traffic without spending a dime so yeah that's a quick crash course <laughs> on the on how to go about making an app Uh, that was great, man. That was a great, great crash course. But you, 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 you touched on a lot of interesting things there. So let me ask you about a couple of those things before we move on. You were talking about the from from the testing and then the getting the discoverability, right? Getting discovered, but then also you want to convert. So what would be your biggest piece of advice, or from all the different apps that you guys have done, where have you seen the most conversion? and why like what are this, the things that have converted the most from people going to the app store being there oh this is interesting to actually converting and then it's another thing to once they actually convert to download it's convert to keep using it right so after you want people to keep using it so what would what would be your thoughts on that so with regards discovery and conversion so firstly it really varies a lot from category to category and mm-hmm. one of the reasons i'm focusing on productivity utility and business is because typically people search for stuff they would need as opposed to a dating app or a game where you would straight away write the name of the app you know very few people will search for casual game fun game but you'd rather search for a calculator app or a to do app or a personal assistant app you know so a lot of these generic searches happen a lot more in productivity apps and utility apps as opposed to other categories so obviously your conversion rate also would be a lot higher in these categories compared to the others Uh, so a couple of quick pointers so first off when you're looking at discovery and you're adding keywords your keyword strategy is essentially f- focused on three pillars okay so one of course is traffic which everybody knows and difficulty which means how difficult is it to rank for it but the third element which i feel is the most important element which a lot of people miss out is relevance and there is no quantitative score for rele- relevance it's completely subjective that you decide but the traffic and difficulty your tool will tell you but relevance tools will not tell you you have to decide which is why getting discovery alone will not help if the keyword is not relevant because let's say let's say you are let's say a marketplace but you're ranking for selling based keywords right people might see you they quickly look at the screenshot but not download it so you get a bunch bunch of impressions you get a truckload of product page views but not too many installs right so keeping it relevant is very important and then focusing on the search page if i'm talking about apple for example when you search for something and you look at the search page you see the first three screenshots right which tells me that if i have a total of 5 or 10 screenshots my first three are most important and that is the only space i have to tell people in a in a brief succinct way exactly what my app does you know what value it creates nobody is going to read my fourth or fifth screenshot unless they tap on the app so my first three screenshots are most crucial my title and subtitle is very important also one quick thing you can do is for your top keywords put them on the app store and look at the results that people are getting right a lot of times you'll see that let's say it's a fax app for example and you type fax you'll see a lot of these fax app have a similar kind of screenshots maybe black and white or the same way the phone is tilted to the right and stuff like that so to break the clutter 
you could introduce a new color or new way of showcasing your screenshots mm-hmm. so actually looking at instead of just going on your desk and punching in numbers in a tool you need to actually see on the app store what is happening because that's your market that is where you're selling your stuff right so you need to know what's happening on the app store and then tailor your offering and your positioning based on competitors based on relevance based on the first three screenshots so i think that addresses the first part which is you know what's very important for discovery and conversion because once people enter then you have enough stuff on your page for to convince people the challenge is getting them to click and enter the page right and into the second part so i think having the right onboarding experience is crucial because a lot of times people download the app and then they're wondering okay how do i use it and they keep tap they tap the buttons up and then they're not sure what it's about for apps that you typically know what it's about is great but not all apps are like that right mm-hmm. so having good onboarding is very important very tricky because if you make it too detailed people don't don't want to read too much so it needs to be engaging where they're actually using the app and also understanding how it's to be used it needs to be intuitive uh, yet there has to be a learning curve so having the right onboarding is important to get people from download to usage and then judiciously using push notifications so that helps you reengage people who have the app on the phone but might not have opened it up in a few days or a few weeks and you can send a nice push notification without being too spammy and without being too clingy because mm-hmm. then you, the people purpose is defeated you know so yeah. again that's a fine balance you need to maintain uh, so i would say those are two big drivers your a good onboarding uh, process mm-hmm. and push notifications judicious use of push, push notifications can help you improve your usage and retention. Mhm. Absolutely. Yeah, without being too much where it becomes annoying and there's a there's a negative connotation to your brand, right? If they keep on seeing it in a bad way, but done properly, push notifications are great, keeps reengaging with the user and uh, reminding them that you're there, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, so what about for UI UX? For UI UX, let's just say people who are in the application business what is the best way to maybe learn about ui ux obviously getting a a strong person that is a professional in that but sometimes i feel like it might be hard for people to find the right person because there's so many people out there and sometimes and i've i've personally seen also before when i had started an application business with some partners it was so it was not always easy to find like the right person for us so what would be your biggest pieces of advice for people to learn even like the basics to get a proof of concept of what they want their ui ux to look like Well yeah what what would you what would you say to that First off the UI UX and the design guidelines for Apple and Google are completely different iOS and Android right mm-hmm. uh, so whenever you're going to design always keep in mind that you should have two separate designs they can be similar they could be 70 80% similar uh, but not completely so right yeah. iOS and Android needs to be different a uh, the second rule of thumb they can follow uh, is for UX is that the lesser number of clicks for the user to get to what he wants to get the better absolutely yeah right uh, if you can reduce a, a, a click or two anywhere that's the way to go about it the less the clicks the better and thirdly fortunately for us both apple and google have a bunch of apps out there of their own right so just downloading their apps and seeing how they've designed what design guidelines they follow because they both publish their design guidelines every year you know so these can be good and great starting points for people of course a lot of in depth that they can do but as great starting points just following apple or google's design guidelines and looking at their apps for pointers could be a great starting point and will give you a lot of practical experience in terms of what you could use in your app as well yeah and in fact that's something they recommend and something that they like as well 
that that you follow their design patterns and design guidelines mhm absolutely and so let's just say you have the application right the mobile application is ready we went through that crash course that that you uh, <laughs> you just yeah. you did for us what would be the the best way of moving forward from a marketing standpoint so first off would be aso once the app is ready the first thing would be app store optimization i mean uh, especially for the categories that we're in which is productivity utility business you could be ranked in the top 100 productivity apps without spending a dime on advertising that's the power of aso especially on apple right mm-hmm. so so doing a thorough and a fantastic job of your aso could save you a lot of money yet get you a lot of downloads uh and then of course i mean acquisition would be the best way again depends on what app it is right not like for example influencer marketing is really growing but not every category and every app can benefit from it right, right. if it's news entertainment uh, that that sort of a content based app influencer or games influencer marketing works really well but if it's a you know productivity navigation that maps that kind of an app then you probably need good acquisition uh i would say the best ad network that i would recommend for ios would be apple search ads and for google i'd say google adwords uh because both of them run ads on the app store right mm-hmm. so as opposed to showing your ad to people on say facebook or other apps if they see the ad on the app store when they're searching for something relevant right it mm-hmm. is very contextual and their chances of downloading your app is higher and the chances of you getting a good quality user is also higher right yeah. so if you're looking to spend money on advertising for ios i would recommend start with apple search ads it gives you fantastic targeting possibilities keyword based and for android i would say google adwords it would be the place for you to begin with mhm yeah and you've worked with so many teams right that are starting different companies in the application uh game so what what are the main things that you see from the winners the people that are really winning uh, in that business that they have in common i would say one of the biggest thing that i see people do is uh, they really test their way into everything ab testing every single element be it your app store presence be it your communication be it the onboarding process be it the pricing constantly testing ab testing different variants to see because that is the only thing that will make iterative changes and iterative improvements to your to your app and help you decide in a systematic analytical way the most efficient manner possible you know and and right from the beginning from your screenshots icon description to your in app product stuff like your onboarding and your messaging what's your opening welcome message screen like or uh, what pricing like if for example you have subscription and you have four different subscription packs you could experiment uh, the the pricing with different variants so the one thing that i've seen with a lot of winners is they do extensive testing all through not just in the beginning but mm-hmm. throughout the life cycle all year round they keep testing stuff to see which how they can further improve their game right and also how important is is having a strong team right i mean in every business oh, that's i mean that's a given without a team there's nothing you can do Absolutely. i mean that's for every business i would say you know every business in anything in life if you, if you want to get scale if you have to grow the starting point is the team without that it's it's you can't do anything Definitely. absolutely absolutely i'll just give you a, a r- random situation just to put you so we get a little more specific let's just say that someone just launched a mobile application it's in the gaming industry okay 
gaming or entertainment because I feel like both of them are pretty pretty similar. Um, and then from there, they they're a solopreneur. Maybe they have two two friends that are. What would be the but the the app is growing, right? It's growing. It's getting users. They're starting to maybe make some money on it. Their subscription business. Who would be the main people that you would say you guys need to have these people on your team, and um, what would be the functions of each per, of each person so that you maximize the the, the success that you're going to have in the long term and also in the short term? So uh, actually, three things. I would say three three uh, team members or three roles, so to say. The first one being the product manager, which is the product manager that's going to shape your product, your game, your app. Uh, and constantly make improvements, especially with regards monetization, because mm-hmm. uh, they are the ones who are going to test different variants, look at the journey that users are taking to make improvements within the game. Uh, because I'm telling you, I mean, making a simple subscription flow change can as much as see a 10x improvement in your earnings. Okay, Absolutely. so product manager, I would say, uh, is what plays one of the most crucial roles, especially because that person is the bridge between the technical developers. And the business and marketing side of things, right? So the product manager, the second person I would say is your ASO person, the app store optimization person. Because uh, again, that's because no matter where you promote your app, eventually everybody is going to land up on the store to judge you on your screenshots, mm-hmm. and then they will download, right? So your ASO is extremely crucial. It helps you gain keyword authority. Uh, for the relevant keywords that are important to your business, which is very important. If I'm searching for, say, a Trump game, and I'm a Trump game, I need to be in the top three. If I'm searching for, you know, funny faces or whatever the entertainment app is, my relevant keywords, I need to be there in the top few ranks, depending on the country that I'm optimizing for. So ASO would be my second uh, person. And my third person would be acquisition. The user acquisition person who's running my campaigns, because I need to know campaign-wise, Geography-wise, demographic-wise, who is getting me the best quality of user? Cost per acquisition alone, uh, actually, cost per install alone is not important. Cost per acquisition is right because mm-hmm. my cost per install might be lower for a certain guy, uh, but if the other guy who is more expensive to in terms of CPI, but ends up making a purchase as opposed to this guy, I'm happier acquiring him at a higher rate because I'm earning my money back. It's ROI positive. Right, so you need to look at the cost per acquisition, not just cost per install. You also have to see what the guy is doing within the app in terms of usage, retention, or monetization, and then allocate a cost per acquisition uh, to that. You know, an ad source or campaign source or ad set source, depending how how granular you want to go. Mm-hmm. So those three people: product person, the app store optimization person, and the user acquisition person. Those three people are essential. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think that's a very strong top three. And then who, who would be the main, the key players that you would bring? Because obviously you would need a designer, right? A designer to keep creating uh, designs for either for social media, for uh, obviously for the app store, but, and you're always kind of gotta, gotta keep improving it and updating. You need um, maybe a programmer as well. That's going to keep working on, on the mobile application. Who else would you say that for, from a business standpoint, um, if you let's just say that you want to have a strong first ten people, and also how quick do you employ those people? In your opinion, so since you mentioned that the app is already launched and doing well, so I assume that they would already have a strong developer and designer, which is why I didn't name them. But of course, your starting step is developer mm-hmm. and designer. Without them, you can't even make the app. Uh, but that's the reason I didn't name them because I assume that if the app is running and doing well, you already have a strong development team, and mm-hmm. then you need. The, you know, the, the marketing folks and the product person to take it to the next level. 
But yes, beyond those three guys, you need a strong tech person within tech. I'd try to, I'd like to split it between front end and back end, depending on on the app. So you need two people for that. Of course, you need a designer, uh, app design, UI UX, and advertising banner design are two separate skill sets. So the same designer might or might not be able to do both. I mean, app mm-hmm. UI UX design is a different skill set altogether, uh, and creating nice, attractive banners with ad copy is is different, right? So those two people. Uh, so in terms of starting out, I mean, first off, you obviously need a strong uh, uh, developer uh, and uh, a designer, and then a product manager who doubles up as a project manager manager as well to make sure things are moving along nicely. And once the product development part is done, then of course you need the marketing folks uh, to come into the picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, depending on the app, you'll obviously need more than one developer, right? I mean, initially you could start with one or two, but as the scale of the app grows, or if you start getting more apps. You need to have a stronger and a bigger development and design team. Absolutely, yeah. We could talk about each, basically each each one in depth, like because there's so much to it. I'd like to just to touch on on one because I feel like, I mean, they're all very important. Obviously, without some of these, the app can't get made. Absolutely, but the product manager is is so important. Also, in the beginning, being a project manager for the project to continue and keep its momentum. Because how many times do people start things in the mobile application business, starting it, and then it just never hits the finish line, right? So many times, and it's just so sad to see. So what would be, uh, how would you go about it if you have an ideal project manager or product manager to make sure that the project is moving forward? How do you go about about that? Do you set up weekly meetings? Do you, what uh, software would you use? Would you go on Slack and make sure that there's always a new deadline? Um, what would be your piece of advice from a project or product manager standpoint? Before I answer that question, I must confess that in all my life, I have never come across a single app that has met its deadline. The initial deadline that they set out with, I've never seen any app that right. is shipped out at exactly that same time. There are always delays. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, Juan, I think, uh, so for, you always start, like I said, you know, with your wireframe and a set of functionalities that you want to focus on. Uh, so you might have, let's say, 50 functionalities or features that you want, right? But you split that into phases and in the first rollout, you say zero in on the first 10. Uh, the others you gradually keep adding as layers. Uh, one other learning, one big learning that I have that I got over time is that initially I felt the more features you pack into the app, uh, the happier will the user be. But I couldn't be more wrong. You know, it's not about packing in features; it's about offering, but that one feature, but nailing it and making it perfect. You know, uh, because it's very easy to unknowingly clutter the app with a lot of stuff and confuse people. It's actually harder to make it simple with the few features that I, and and for you to be able to do it right so it's important for you to you know create your first um, first milestone so to say in terms of okay this is the first set of features we're going to focus on based on that you make a sprint plan or a product plan uh, which in, includes your development your r&d timeline then your development timeline and then the testing for that so so it's advisable that one works on the agile method so the agile method says that you work on individual modules you test them you fix them then you move on to the next one as opposed to building the whole thing and testing in the end. So it's important mm-hmm. that you test each module independently. In terms of tools, so yeah, Slack is there, Basecamp is there, Asana is there, a lot of them are there. Uh, you also need to make sure that you're constantly uploading and taking a backup of your code because God forbid if your if your laptop crashes, you'll, you'll lose all of it. So there are companies mm-hmm. like Bucket and you know, um, uh, like, like those uh, where you can actually upload your code and do version controlling. That version one, version two, version three. So in case you want to roll back, you have all versions uploaded over there, like you know GitHub or Bitbucket, etc. 
um yeah so those would be some of the tools that you know one one could use amazing man very cool bro i'd like to ask you um what is success for akhil chandra what is success for me uh i think success for me is uh, to not work for money uh, to be to be able to work because i enjoy working and 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 not having to go to work to earn money so getting out of that rat race freeing yourself from that vicious cycle uh is is success and it relates into having the freedom to sort of do what you want to do when you want to do and all of that but i think it's kind of all linked to the simple fact that if you're not working for money then you're truly free you know uh so so yeah that's what i would say is success for me amazing love that so right before we wrap up um because you've been giving so much value it's been like i'm, I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people especially those who want to get into the app field or are already in it you know what i mean if i right now i give you a piece of paper and on that piece of paper you had to write down the most important things that you've learned in your life so far and it's what you're going to give to a loved one maybe your your daughter and it's the last thing that they're going to see of you and it's also the thing that they're going to be able to read every day and remember you what would you write on that piece of paper and what would be your words to success so i'd start off by mentioning a couple of points that i'd like you to keep in mind uh the first and foremost being that balance is very important in life no matter what you do too much of anything excesses of anything is bad so having balance in life is very important be it work be it play be it having fun be it doing work having a balanced life in terms of work and everything else uh should be your key that's what's going to keep you sane happy and give you the energy to sort of you know go on for a long time so balance is something that's very important two uh, the second point that i think i tell them is uh there's no shortcut to success so uh worst to success is that there's no shortcut to success and i'd like to end it with a quote by saying uh, life is not measured by the number of breaths you take it's about the moments that take your breath away absolutely hey i love that i've heard <laughs> that before and it, it always it always gets to me man because it's so it's so freaking true man i really appreciate you coming on board my man and most success for everything that you're doing i congratulate you for your ventures and i know it's only the beginning for you so i'm excited to see where you're going to be in a couple of years and and have a chat then again man absolutely juan thank you so much for having me over it was an absolute pleasure and i wish you the very best as well All right, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with Akil Chandra. If you want to learn more about Akil, you can go to wordstosuccess.com under episodes and it's all there. Also, we're going to start posting a lot more content on social media about word success, some little trailers, different kinds of videos, and asking some questions to you all. So if you guys want to engage to that, you can go to words to success on Instagram. You can follow me personally as well if you want to reach out at Juan Gray. And that's it. I hope you guys keep enjoying the show. See you in the next episode. Vamos. 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 Vamos.